Three of the Bothi of Tober Nafuyasich by Arthur Clough. This LibriVox recording is part of the public domain. So in the golden morning they parted and went to the westward. In the cottage with Ariel and Hobbes remained the tutor, reading nine hours a day with the tutor, Hobbes and Ariel. One between bathing and breakfast, and six before it was dinner. Breakfast at eight, at four, after bathing again, the dinner. Finally, two, after walking and tea, from nine to eleven. Ariel and Adam, at evening, their quiet stroll together, took on the terrace road with the western hills before them. Hobbes, only rarely a third, now and then the cottage remaining. And, after dinner, Epeutic would rush yet again to his reading. Other times, stung by the ostrium of some swift working conception, ranged, tearing on his fury, an echo through the mountains. Heedless of scenery, heedless of bogs and perspiration, far in the peaks unwitting, the hares and ptarmigan starting, and three weeks passed, the three weeks, three days over. Neither letter had come, nor casual tiding any, and the pupils grumbled. The tutor became uneasy, and in the golden weather they wondered and watched to the westward. There is a stream, I name not its name, lest inquisitive, inquisitive tourists hunt it and make a lion, and get it at last into guidebooks, springing far off from the lock, unexplored in the folds of great mountains, falling two miles the rowan and stunted aldler, enveloped, then four more in a forest of pine, where broad and ample spreads to convey it the glen with heathery slopes on both sides. Broad and fair, the stream, with occasional falls and narrows. But, where the lateral glen approaches the vale of the river, met and blocked by huge interposing mass of granite, scarce by a channel deep cut, raging up and raging onward, forces its flood through a passage so narrow a lady would step it. There, across the great rocky wharves, a wooden bridge goes, carrying a path to the forest, below three hundred yards, say, lower in level some twenty-five feet, through flats of shingle, stepping stones, a cart track across in the open valley. But in the interval here, the boiling, pent-up water frees itself a final ascent, attaining a basin ten feet wide and eighteen long, with whiteness and fury, occupied partly, but most, mostly peculiar, pure, a mirror, beautiful there, for the color derived from green rocks under. Beautiful, most of all, where beads of foam uprising mingle clouds of white with the delicate hue of stillness, cliff over cliff for its sides, with rowan and pendant birch bows. Here it lies, unthought of above at the bridge and pathway, still more concealed from below by wood and rocky projection. You are shut in, left alone with yourself in perfection of water, hid on all sides, left alone with yourself and the goddess of bathing. Here, the pride of plunger, you stride the fall and clear it. Here, the delight of the bather, you roll in beaded sparklings. Here, in pure green depth, 
dropped down from lofty ledges. Hither, a month agone, they had come and discovered. Hither. Long a design, but long unaccountably left unaccomplished, leaving the well-known bridge and pathway above to the forest. Turning below from the track of carts over stone and shingle, piercing a wood, and skirting a narrow and natural causeway, under the rocky wall that hedges the bed of streamlet, rounded a craggy point, and saw on sudden before them slabs of rock and a tiny beach, the perfection of water. Picture like beauty, seclusion, sublime and the goddess of bathing. There they bathed, of course, and Arthur, the glory of the headers, leapt from the ledges with hope. He twenty feet, he thirty. There, overbold, great hobs from a ten-foot height descended, prone, as a quadruped, prone with hands and feet pretending. There is a sparkling champagne, ecstatic. They shrieked and shouted, Hobbs's gutter, the piper entiles the spot profanely. Hope, the glory would have, after Arthur, the glory of headers. But, for before they departed, in shy and fugitive reflex, here, in the eddies, and there, did the splendor of Jupiter glimmer. Adam adjudged it the name of Hersipurus, star of the evening. Hither, to Hesperus, now, the star of the evening above them. Come in their lonely er walk, the pupils twain and tutor, turn from the track of carts, and passing the stone and shingle, piercing the wood, and skirting the stream by the natural causeway. Rounded the craggy point, and now at their ease looked up, and lo, on the rocky ledge, regardant, the glory of headers, lo, on the beach expecting the plunge, not cigarless, the piper. And they looked and wondered, incredulous, looking yet once more. Yes, it was he, on the ledge, bare-limbed, and Apollo down-gazing. Ein one moment the beauty of life, ere he flung himself in it. Ein through the eddy green waters, the green-tinted floor underneath them. Ein the bead on the surface, the bead like a cloud, rising to it, drinking in deep in his soul the beautiful hue and the clearness. Arthur, the shapely, the brave, the unboasting, the glory of headers. Yes, and with fragrant weed, by his knapsack, spectator and critic. Seated on slab, by the margin, the piper, the cloud compeller. Yes, they were come, were restored to the party, its grace and its gladness. Yes, we're here, as of old, the light-giving orb of the household, Arthur, the shapely, the tranquil, the strength and contentment diffusing, in the pure presence of whom none could quarrel long, nor be pettish, and the gay fountain of mirth. Yes, they were come, were here, but Houston and Hope, where are they then? Are they behind, travel sore, or ahead, going straight by the pathway? And from his seat and cigar spoke the piper, the cloud compeller. Hope with the uncle abiding for shooting. Ah, me, were I with him? Ah, good boy that I am, 
to have stuck to my word and my reading. Good, good boy to be here, far away, who might be at Balak? Only one day to have stayed, who might have been welcome for seven, seven whole days in Castle Forest, gay in the mazy, moving, imbibing the rosy, and pointing a gun at the horny, and the tutor impatient, expectant, interrupted. Hope with the uncle, and Hewson, with him? Or where have you left him? And from his seat and cigar spoke the piper, the cloud compeller. Hope with the uncle, and Hewson. Why, Hewson, we left in Renock, by the lockside and the pines, in the farmer's house, reflecting, helping to shear and dry clothes, and it may be, uproot potatoes. Studying the question of sex, though not at, what did he call it? And the tutor's countenance fell, perplexed, dumbfounded. Stood he, slow and with pain, disengaging jest from earnest. He is not far from home, said Arthur from the water. He will be with us tomorrow, at latest, or the next day. And he was even more reassured by the piper's rejoinder. Can he come by mail? And have got to the cottage before us? So to the cottage they went, and Philip was not at the cottage. But by mail was a letter from Hope, who himself was to follow. Two whole days and nights succeeding brought not Philip. Two whole days and nights exhausted not question and story. For it was told the piper narrating, corrected of Arthur, often by word, corrected more often by smile and motion, how they had been to Iona, to Staffa, to Skye, to Colden, Senlach-Ah, Lach-Te, Lach-Fin, Lach-Ness, lach been up to Venevis, Ben Moore, Ben Kruken, Ben Muktihu. How they had walked and eaten, and drunken and slept in kitchens, slept upon floors of kitchens, and tasted the real Glenviet, walked up perpendicular hills, and also down them, hither and thither had been, and this and that had witnessed, left not a thing to be done, and had not a brown remaining. For it was told withal, he telling, and he correcting, how they had met, they believed, with St. John, the muckle heart-slayer, how in the race they had run, and beaten the gillies of Renock, how in forbidden glens, in Mar, and midmost Athel, Philip insisting hotly, and Arthur and Hope compliant, they had defied the keepers, the piper alone protesting, liking the fun, it was plain, in his heart but tender of game law. Yet, too, in Malay Glen, the heart of Lachilus' fair forest, where scotch firs are darkest and amplest, and intermingle, grandly with rowan and ash, and mar you have no ashes. There the pond is alone, or relived by birch and alder. How in Mealy Fair, while stags were starting before, they made the watcher believe they were guests from the Arcticary. And, 
There was Toad, moreover, he telling, the other correcting, often by word, more often by mute significant motion. Much of Cambridge coach and his pupils at Inverie, huge barbarian pupils, expanded in infinite series, firing off signal guns, great scandal, from window to window, for they were lodging perforce in distant and numerous houses. Signals when, one retiring, another should go to the tutor. Much too of Kit Kat, of course, and the party at Drummanoch, Mainwaring, Foley, and Fraser, their idleness horde and dog cart. Drummanoch was seedy, and Glen Morrison adequate, but at Castleton, High and Bremer were the clippingest places for bathing. One by the bridge in the village, indecent, the town hall christened, where Howbate had Lauder been bathing, and Harrison also. Harrison even, the tutor. Another, like Herspice, here and up the waters of Eye, half a dozen at least, all stunners. And this was told, the piper narrating, and Arthur correcting, coloring he, dilating, magnolient, glorifying in picture. He, to matter of fact, still softening, parring, abating. He to the great, might have been, upsoaring, sublime, ideal. He to the merest, it was, restricting, diminishing, dwarfing, river to streamlet reducing, and fall to slope subduing. So it was told, the piper narrating, corrected of Arthur, how under a of D, where over rocks, between rocks, freed from prison, the river comes, pouring, rolling, rushing. Then at sudden descent, go sliding, gliding, unbroken. Falling, sliding, gliding, in narrow space collected. Save for a curl at the end where the curve rejoins the level. Save for a ripple at last, a sheeted descent unbroken. How to the element offering their bodies, down shooting the fall. They mingled themselves with the flood and the force of imperious water. And it was told, too, Arthur narrating, the piper correcting, how, as one comes to the level, the weight of the downward impulse carries the head underwater, delicious, ineffable, how the piper, here ducked and blinded, got stray and borne off by the current, wounded his lily-white thighs below at the craggy corner. And it was told, the piper resuming, corrected of Arthur, more by word than motion, change ominous noted of Adam. How at the floating bridge of Lagan, one morning at sunrise, came in default of the ferryman out of her bed a brave lassie, and, as Philip and she together were turning the handles, by which the chain is wound that works it across the water, hands intermingled with hands, and, at last, they stepped from the bothy. Turned about, they saw lips also mingle with lips, but that was flatly denied and loudly exclaimed at by Arthur. How at the general's hut, the inn by the fall of the foyers, where o'er the lock looks at you the summit of melancholy. How here, too, he was hunted at morning, 
and found in the kitchen, watching the porridge being made, pronouncing them smoked for certain, watching the porridge being made, and asking the lassie that made them, what was the Gaelic for girl, and what was the Gaelic for pretty? How in confusion he shouldered his knapsack, yet blushingly stammered, waving a hand to the lassie that blushingly bent o'er the porridge. Something outlandish. Slan something. Slan leet, he believed. Kellig luch. That was Gaelic, it seemed, for I bid you good-bye, bonnie lassie. Arthur allowed it was true. Not of Philip, but of Piper. And it was told by the Piper, while Arthur looked at the window. How in the thunder and rain it is wetter far to the westward, thunder and rain and wind, losing heart and road, they were welcomed, welcomed and three days detained at a farm by the lockside of Renoke. How in three days detention was Philip observed to be smitten, smitten by golden-haired Katie, the youngest and comeliest daughter. Was he not seen? Even Arthur observed it, from breakfast to bedtime. Following her motions with eyes ever brightening, softening ever. Did he not fume, fret, and fidget to find her stand waiting at a table? Was he not one mere St. Vitus dance when he saw her at nightfall go through the rain to fetch peat, through being rain to the peat stack? How it so happened to dance was given by Grant of Glenshuki, and with the farmer they went as the farmer's guest to attend it. Philip stayed dancing till daylight, and evermore with Katie. How the whole next afternoon he was with her away in the shearing, and the next morning ensuing was found in the ingle beside her, kneeling, picking the peats from her apron, blowing together, both between laughing, with lips disintended, to kindle the embers. Lips were so near to lips, one living cheek to another, Though it was true, he was shy, strangely shy. Yet it was not nature. Was it not nature? The piper averred, there shouldn't be kissing. Then they packed up their knapsack at noon and proposed to be starting. Phil professed he was lame, would leave in the morning and follow. Follow he did not, do burns. When you go up a glen, follow after. Follow he had not, nor left, nor needles leave the lodestone. Nay, too, they turned after starting. Look through the trees at the corner. Lo, on the rocks by the lake, there he was, the lassie beside him. Lo, there he was, stooping by her, and helping with stones from water, safe in the wind to keep down the clothes she would spread for drying. There had they left him, and there, if Katie was there, was Philip, drying clothes, making fires, making love, getting on too by this time. Though he was shy, so exceedingly shy. You may say so, said Arthur. For the first time they had known with a peevish intonation. Did not the piper himself flirt more in a single evening? Namely, with Janet the Elder, 
than Philip in all our sojourn. Philip had stayed. It was true. The piper was loth to depart, too. Harder is parting from Janet than e'en from the keeper at Balak. And it was certain that Philip was lame. Yes, and his excuses, answered the piper indeed. Nay, truly, said Hobbes, interposing. Did you not say she was seen every day in her beauty and bedgown, doing plain housework, as washing, cooking, scoring? How could he help a lover? Nor lack there, of course, the attention that in a blue cotton print tucked up, overstriped, linsey woolsey, barefoot, barelegged, he beheld her, with arms bare up to the elbows, bending with fork in her hand in a garden uprooting potatoes? Is not Katie as Rachel? And is not Philip a Jacob? Truly Jacob, supplanting an hairy highland isu. Shall not he, love entertained, feed sheep for the laban of her knock? O oh, happy patriarch he, the long servitude ended of wooing, if when he wake in the morning he find not a Leah beside him. But the tutor inquired, who had bit his lip to bleeding, how far off is the place? Who will guide me there to-morrow? But by the mail, ere the morrow, came hope and brought new tidings. Round by the Renoke had come, and Philip was not at Renoke. He had left that noon, an hour ago. With the lassie? With her? the piper exclaimed. Undoubtedly. By great jingo! And upon that he arose, slapping both his thighs like a hero, partly for emphasis only, to mark his conviction, but also part in delight at fun and the joy of eventful living. Really, I did not inquire, answered Hope, but I hardly think it. Janet, Piper, your friend, I saw, and she didn't say so, though she asked a good deal about Philip and where he had gone to. One odd thing, by the by, he continued, befell me while standing with her. Standing beside her, I saw a girl pass. I thought I had seen her, somewhat remarkable looking, elsewhere, and asked what her name was. Alepsi McKay, she answered, the daughter of David. She's stopping, just above there with her uncle. And David McKay, where lives he? It's away west, she replied. They call it Toper Nafuyasich. End of chapter 3